Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw Meets on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, your host, Jim Smallman. Uh, today, we're talking to the wonderful Mr. Drake Maverick. Uh, someone I've known for a few years, a good friend of mine, uh, someone I've wanted to get on the podcast for a little while, and we happen to be in the same hotel in London, so we had a bit of a chat a few weeks ago. Um, hope you enjoy listening to us have a natter. He's a genuinely good dude, uh, one of the, the the best people I've met since I've been involved in professional wrestling over the course of the last six years or so. Just a really genuinely nice guy, very, very funny guy, uh, and doing a great job with 205 Live. Uh, in WWE at the moment. Um, here's a little tip for you. If you haven't seen it already, um, check out the match between uh, Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy for the uh, Cruiserweight title uh, on 205 Live last week. It's a fantastic match. I tweeted about it. It's a genuinely phenomenal contest, and I would heartily recommend that you check it out. Um, uh, also, on a WWE front, uh, you may well have noticed that uh, the brackets have been announced for the WWE United Kingdom tournament, uh, which is starting uh, at Download Festival this coming weekend, and then the I think it's the quarterfinal stages uh, hit the first night of the two nights at Royal Albert Hall on June the 18th and 19th. Uh, I would recommend checking that out if you can. Obviously, I know a lot of the people involved, because a lot of the people involved have worked for Progress at some point or another, um, but I am super excited to go to those shows at Royal Albert Hall and recommend you pop along as well. Um, some other plugs to do. Obviously, check out everything on the Distraction Pieces Network, because it's all good, and I'm really proud about being part of the network and still super pleased that two years ago, Scroobius Pip asked me to be involved, uh, and, and admittedly, I'm not putting out the podcast as often as I would like at the minute, hoping to get back to putting them out once a week soon, uh, but as you can all appreciate, I've been a little bit busy over the last couple of months, uh, and it's been a little bit tricky to do that. Um, of course, check out my wrestling company, Progress Wrestling, progresswrestling.com for tickets, uh, demand-progress.com for on-demand content. So we have a show coming up this Sunday, June the 10th. Uh, in Sheffield, uh, last time I checked, and I am recording this a little while before, um, there were still a handful of tickets available. There'll be over 900 people in the O2 Academy in Sheffield. Um, and 
Even cooler, we have the artist now known as Stephanie Newell, uh, formerly Nixon Newell, uh, now signed to NXT, formerly of Progress and loads of cool promotions in the United Kingdom. Uh, she's coming back to challenge for our women's title, uh, challenging uh, our, our new champion, Ginny. So um, if you do get a chance to come along to that, please do. ProgressWrestling.com for tickets, demand-progress.com for all of our on-demand content. And my website is jimsmallman.com. Um, on there now, there's a little section for me book. Uh, which is called I'm Sorry I Love You, A History of Professional Wrestling. It's out on August the 23rd. Lots of people have pre-ordered it, which is genuinely very touching. I found out last week that there's an audiobook for it coming out, and I've got to record the audiobook. So if you like this podcast, you're going to love the audiobook, because it's my voice for several hours. Um, so I am getting to do that. Um, but there's a little section on jimsmorman.com uh, where you can find various ways to pre-order my book, either from Amazon or from Waterstones at the moment, um, and a bit of information about it. You'll also notice on my website, under the live section, where I would normally have all my stand-up gigs, there aren't any. For I am going on a sabbatical from stand-up comedy to try and work full-time in professional wrestling for a little while. See how I get on. Uh, I might come back to comedy. I might do my own tours. I might go back to club gigs at some point. But as it stands at the moment, I have taken all of my club gigs for the rest of 2018 out of my diary. So apologies if you were planning on coming along to see me. Um, But something I had to give. I had to choose one job that I preferred over another. And much as I've loved comedy, and comedy's been very kind to me over the course of the last 13 years... Uh, it was time for me to concentrate on wrestling, which I prefer, if I'm being honest. Um, so, who knows? I might come back to comedy. Um, I'm going to do one final gig this coming Wednesday in Sheffield, because it's for a friend of mine. Um, and, th- and then that's that's pretty much it for a while. Um, the only place you'll ever get my comedy is in very loose forms on this podcast, and when I ring announce at Progress. So... Um, yeah, it's a big deal for me to do it. I wrote a blog about it. That's on my website as well. Go to jimsformer.com, click on blog, and it's the top blog there. Uh, and you can read about why I made, decided to make the choice to do it. Um, anyway, you're one of the reasons I've been able to do it. Because you listen to this podcast and you've helped me grow in the world of wrestling through listening to this podcast. So thank you very much for doing that. Keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast. Telling new people about it and all that jazz. It makes me very happy when you do that. I'm very happy when people just tweet me out of the blue to say how much they enjoy the podcast because it means a lot to me because I love wrestling and I love you guys so anyway here's me chatting to Drake Maverick enjoy yourself and do remember check out 205 Live uh, on the WWE Network which he is a massive part of with his incredibly sharp sense of dress right I will see you on the other side to wrap things up at the end cheers you should celebrate yourself every day but some days you should celebrate with jewellery Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So, important question. Drake Maverick. Yep. We've got Ransom on in the background. Do I have to mute Mel Gibson? <laughs> mute Should we mute, mute Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. <laughs> Give me back my son! Give me back my son! All right, he's done. Sorry, Mel Gibson. Who would win in a fight, Mel? Like Mel Gibson as as uh, you know Martin Riggs, yeah, or Bruce Willis as John McClane? Go, Bruce Willis as John McClane. Why? Just better in a vest. Do you not think the fact that Riggs has always got Murtoff would be a problem? Yeah, but he's or... always one day away from retirement, isn't he? Well, he is. <laughs> they both had their t- like like um, their token partner though, like uh, Sergeant Al Powell in the first one. I, I this is leading directly into my question about being called Drake Maverick. Oh God, I'm, I look nothing like Drake. Have you noticed? Well, <laughs> so did you come up with the name Drake Maverick? Absolutely not. Um, I'm, I'm you really know, sad. you know me. I'm really you, sad now. You know me. It, you know, you know full well what I, what I would have called myself, like like Dalton or something from Roadhouse or something. You know what I'm really happy about. That I do. I'm wearing a Maverick T-shirt from Top Gun right now, and I'm very happy with the Maverick part. Um, I, I, it, it literally was. You're going to be called this. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. Absolutely, I love it. <laughs> and I do. I do. It's um. Everywhere I go, I like. I, I don't feel it sank in yet, but like, I don't mind being called Maverick when people stop me because like, That's I'm, a great I'm, name. I'm Tom Cruise, you know. Well, see, I, I fly a plane. I fly a plane. So when, when permission to fly by. When your name was announced, I remember looking at it and going, "I know him. I know he appreciates a film from the nineteen eighties. <laughs> this is the greatest name of all time." Supercop Drake Maverick. <laughs> yeah. Well, little story about the name. Okay. So I've known Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, for many, many years. It's good to see him again. Mm. And Daniel Bryan was a big part of this segment, but also. Brian has a very, very select sense of humour, just like myself, and could not stop laughing at the name backstage. <laughs> to the point, to the point, he wasn't sure whether he'd remember it and not smile or corpse or call me something else. So I have no idea what I could have been called because <laughs> there's a moment where you see Brian and me lock eyes when he's about to go, Drake! Maverick! And you can see the smirk appearing on his face, his eyes lighting up, and me sweating profusely, worried about what's going to come out of his mouth. But it was, it was ever so funny that day. Very funny. And um, I, uh, I, I, it, it made me feel ten times more comfortable. It was my birthday that day. Was it? Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. 35 years old, I debuted for WWE on, on my birthday, which is like the weirdest thing ever. But, uh, you know, I couldn't have worked out any better. Like, it's cool. So it's, how long in wrestling by the time you got to WWE? 16, it was 16 and a bit, 16 years in October. I'm not, I'm not a bragger of that because that makes me sound like I, you know, like, you know, if you say, oh, I've been in it, you know, you know, like one of them, uh, them guys you meet in a dresser, I've been doing this 16 years. 
And where are you? <laughs> like, it's one of them, like, uh, maybe I should not mention the double figures. High double figures now. But uh, it's, oh my God, 16 years. What? I still look, I still look 25. Please tell me I still look 25. I've had, no, look, I've had no work done. I still look 25. Still look 25. Um, I've got my youth. Got so, because I've known you for six years. So, because you did TNA's British Boot Camp. Yeah. You did it. There was a bit of filming for that. It's the first time I met Jeremy Borash as mm-hmm. well. You did a bit of filming for that. Um, either I think it was Progress Chapter 2 or 3. It was something. We gate-crashed your show, I think, on the day, because I had no idea that we were even doing a show. Yeah, we got, we got asked. I think JB asked us if it was all right, like, that morning. And we oh, went... Cool. We were still very new to wrestling at the time. We were just like, yeah. Sweet. And obviously, uh, Marty was part of it, and Marty was wrestling for us regularly. Yeah. Um, and you were part of it, um, uh, and the Blossom Twins were the other mm-hmm. And and I'd never met you. I'd, I'd, here's the thing: I'd heard of you because um, Gemma, the lady who did most of my tattoos, and um, a wonderful job she's done. She's done a great job, and uh, and she's uh, she's engaged to Rob, who does all our merch and graphic designs. Oh. So she's still around progress um, in, a, in a kind of weird way. In that. She, I remember her talking to me when she was talking to me once, talking to me at great length, knowing I was a wrestling fan, talking to me at great length about you uh, and about how cool she thought you were. And I was like, "Oh, that's a name," because the name of your 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 previous name, Rockstar Spud, sticks out in someone's head because it's an unusual name. Mm-hmm. Like, if let's be honest, I mean, you're probably used to it now. It was your name for a long time. I, d- I don't think um, I don't think the audience like when. It, it, it's weird because when I go to different buildings, still people call me Rockstar Spud or call me Rockstar. I don't get called Maverick or Drake Maverick or yeah. very. It's very it, honestly, it's very rare, and that's like weird because of the machine that WWE is. It's mm. you know, it's it's, it's still it, a new it, name. To it's be still fair. fresh, I think, and like, and I take it as a wonderful compliment because it's um, you know, it shows that your body of work, everybody actually mm. viewed and saw and like remember. So like, it's not. Or bad thing, but it came just basically from. Um, I was called Spud, and I had to turn. You know, I I decided that I wanted to turn myself into a bad guy of all the darker, of more evil, sinister <laughs> form of myself. And the only way, to, and I think that came as an accident because I wanted to be a rock star, and then I just thought to myself, why don't, why don't I just eliminate people guessing what I am and just tell them. Rockstar Spud. Yeah. I, I'm, or, one day I'm going to be Dr. Spud. I've got a story <laughs> about being a doctor as well. Um, also, like, today I'm going to be a pediatrician Spud. <laughs> you can be absolutely anything you want, but I'm just telling the audience what I am before I came out. And it was just kind of... I I feel I was kind of smart the way I went about being here because I hadn't been it, but I was only doing it on very small shows that didn't have a lot of, mm. at that time, internet reach that yeah. people wouldn't see and then slowly crept it into like I don't know if you remember the promotion Triple X. Yes. So I asked them if in I Co- could... Coventry. Yes. Yeah. So I'd done it on some small shows before then, but I knew that the the hardcore of hardcore forum guys, as they probably were, like or Hi, Glenn. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> Glenn. <laughs> really? Glenn was. Yeah. I want to see all your reviews of my matches and still not care about them. So, <laughs> <laughs> or your opinion, Glenn? Can this turn into a burial of Glenn Joseph? It normally is. It normally is. So, and I, 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 I put put myself on that show, and because it was such a shock to everybody, they were like, "Oh my god!" Like this is, and just kept it on the down low. But like people then start talking about it, like I thought, oh. 
what's what's this thing I need to see? So they had to go certain places in order to see it, and then they were telling more people about it. And then Alex let me do it at the FWA, but he actually gave it like the full presentation that it deserved. Like I remember I, seeing one of your a proper big entrance once. Yes, it was. I did one in Birmingham. I'm a terrible singer, everyone. So, you know, that's that's the point. I'm a bad guy. You should not like this. Um, so he gave the full presentation of it. It was wonderful. Mm. Problem was, it was so standout and wonderful that it got the wrong re- desired reaction <laughs> in regards to being a, a, ba- a bad guy, I felt. Even though I tried with my work, mm. it was just so outlandish, it would outshine everybody that you were performing against. So, you know, that that's essentially where it came from. And I just, like, carried on... Grafted. I never thought that British wrestling or myself or half the people that I grew up with would be in the positions we are now. Mm. After, you know, it, it's why when I look back at photographs, like they were so long ago, and I can't imagine myself being back there anymore. But it was just there was a lot of people that I don't think get the credit that they deserve that grafted for a long time in mm. front of thirty to fifty people. Just to keep this scene alive, yeah. And I and I just think it's it's on it's it's, it's underappreciated sometimes, and it's mm-hmm. it's a shame because not all of us are going to get the recognition we deserve, and like and and that they deserve, then they're, they're not going to get it. But it and I think that's a shame. But now it's happening, mm. and you never thought it would happen, but it's happening now. And like it's an amazing time. It's just well, well this is the thing I think that people don't appreciate is if you knew nothing about British wrestling at the minute you can go every Friday, Saturday, Sunday you can probably go and watch a wrestling show within 100 miles of your house that has at least 200, 300 people at it yeah incredible that now that I mean even when when we started Progress six years ago that wasn't a thing like the fact that we got 300 off a show we were told was insane and and the more you learn about it, like, because I wasn't, I was into my wrestling, but wasn't super into British wrestling, so I had no real concept of what was going on. Glenn was was much more into the British British stuff than I was, and for me, British wrestling was was Johnny Saint, World of Sport, and then it was the British Bulldog, and yep. then it was Doug Williams. Yep, that was it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then it was only when we started doing shows that I sort of delved into it a little bit more. But people. If you, if you only go to a show now, you'll be like, oh, surely British wrestling's always been like this. <laughs> no. Nope. Nope. No. And, that, and that's why a lot of, you know, and this all young wrestlers out there it, it, that are in the UK and stuff, that's why sometimes, like, there are them gentlemen that are backstage that have been around a long time, and they don't, they don't mean to come across salty. It's mm. just that, you know... There was a lot of people that took a lot of bumps and a lot of injuries, and there's been a lot of people seriously hurt, including one of my best friends. That before this, like, really did work to keep this alive and mm. pay. You know, hopefully that there'd be this platform that there is now, mm. and the fact that there is now, someone is going to walk into the business and into wrestling, and the first thing they're going to get is 500 people, mm. and they're going to be thinking. Oh, we only got four hundred in. God, that show was crap. Yeah. My God, my God, to get four hundred in at least once every six months. This is going to turn oh. into that the, the Yorkshireman sketch on Monty Python, isn't it? Oh, I, oh, I used to work. I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. I, used, I, used I don't. I don't want twenty-seven to... hours of, of, of day out mill. I'm not that old. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like. I like to think I'm not. Everyone gets surprised when I tell them how old I am, and like, I, you know, again, that, that's lovely. But it's. Uh, 
you know, maybe it's my maturity. Ooh, ooh. But got to work on that. I think so. Sixteen-ish years in, like, so when you your first show you wrestled on. Also, I want to before I get to that. Where did the spud part of your name come from? Uh, I was a massive, massive ECW Dudley Boys Spike Dudley fan. Right, and I wanted to be in the Dudley Boys somewhat. I also loved New Jack. I also loved uh, Masato Tanaka. I loved Mike Awesome. But it was going to be Spud Diddley. And then, <laughs> yep, nice. Yep, awful. Then I watched Train Spotting and the character Spud in that. Oh, of course. And, and I was like, it can just be Spud. It'd be, it'd be wicked. And that's all I could afford to put on my uh, purple cam- camouflaged t shirt that I'd all cut off like New Jack. With my white tape all over my fingers, just like New Jack, <laughs> so I could only afford four letters for this one T-shirt. So that's why it was Spud with a capital U and a capital a capital S and a capital U, nice. with a lowercase P and a lowercase D, because impact font, nice. the best. <laughs> <laughs> so. So I was garbage, basically. I just copied people because I was a huge... Yeah, that's how everyone... Oh. I still use the Dudley Dog to this day. Uh, the acid drop, as they call it, because uh, for some reason, it was it, Spike Dudley was massively into acid, I believe. I don't know. He was, he, he was into... Spike, I think Spike Dudley's gimmick was that his he was, was an you. acid casualty. Yes. That was his gimmick. That, there we go. Which is one of the reasons that he, he sort of... Because if you remember the, um, in Beyond the Map, because um, yep. it's really called cool. Matt Heisen. Matt Heisen. And, and, and English, I, I used to be an English teacher. He used to be an English teacher, which is one of the reasons I've always identified with him. Yep. Spike Dudley, legit one of my favourite ever wrestlers. The best. Right? And there's that interview with him where he's covered in his own blood. Yeah. And he's talking and he's, he's rambling. Oh, I'm taking bumps. And you look Man. at that and go, oh, that's where they got your gimmick from. Yeah. Even though he might have been the cleanest living dude in the world. Yeah. He just, he had that. Look of that adrenaline look, and and clearly someone like Paul Heyman looked at it and went, "Yep, there's his gimmick." I remember my mother was at a show. Okay, I'm going to tell you what show it was. It was my third show. Nice. I was in a tables, ladders, and chairs match <laughs> because that seems like a really sensible thing to yes. do when someone's third I'd, ever show. I did a splash <laughs> off the top of the ladder, and then immediately got up, not selling it, because one of my, the other opponents, a four way ladder match, was standing on the apron. So I grabbed him. I ducked a clothesline while he's on the apron. Gave him a dig, grabbed him by the head, and then did the Dudley dog from the inside of the ring to the outside through a table, hurting my back in so many different ways <laughs> that a 20-year-old, probably 19-year-old should not, landed right in front of my mother. The end of the match, you can openly see on camera my mother screaming in my face, don't you ever do this to me again. I will beat you harder than any of these wrestlers here. Don't you ever do this to me again. And I think that's like that. It's like There's a weird thing about about the adrenaline of wrestling that I think people don't get. Now, bear in mind, I've never wrestled. I've never had an inch. Oh, I tell a lie. When I was 18, 19, I, I maybe... I mean, no, 18, maybe 20, 21 when I was at Union, I got in a tape trade and I maybe would have... And I was more athletic. I maybe would have considered it. I was never very confident. I think that's the thing that kept me away from it. But if you fast forward to when we did the the storyline with Jimmy beating me up, like because I hadn't had a bump or anything, he just beat me up. But the buzz I got off of it afterwards, and and it wasn't. I didn't get a buzz out of me standing tall over someone. I got murdered for yep. ten solid minutes, and then I got carried out. Like 
and my, my wife will always tell people that she got in the ring with me crying her eyes out and she knew what was going to happen told her but she got in the ring with me after, uh, and because I've been knocked out I, and as I came around my wife's in front of me and I just went the first thing I said was how'd it look that was so cool and she bless her she covered me with her hair cause she had long Aww. hair at the time covered me with her hair and just went uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh yeah but, and, and then all the way home I couldn't stop talking about it I was like I was like did it look cool did it look cool and she was like yeah yeah, but he knocked you out. I was like, yeah, but I bet he looked really good. And, and, and I think that was the point where I, I got it. One of my favourite ever matches was like Masato Tanaka versus Spike Dudley, where he just literally... and because, properly logical. But he, but he clotheslined Spike's misses and knocked all her teeth out, and that was the motivation for it. And then Spike gets in, and it was so realistic the way this small man tried it with this 6'5 giant. He just got launched. We kept getting back up, and I was yeah. like, "This is the best! I could do this." <laughs> it was the match you had for us, where you, right before you went through the curtain, you nudged me, and went, "Just to annoy Glenn, I'm going to do all the moves." <laughs> I forget where it was. It was the first time you've used me. I was in its rubber. My, my, you know what my favourite part of that night was? Got, got backstage, and John was just staring at me, and I'm like, "You're right, mate." And he went. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. I'm like, what? I didn't do anything. He goes, but that was amazing. Like, and all I did was sell. Yeah. I didn't fight. the The thing, what the thing was with 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 that, it was just that I didn't I didn't fight back because it was something I got taught at OVW. Because if you fight back, they've already seen it. Mm. If you get a little bit in, they've already seen a little bit, so you've already got a measure of revenge. Mm. But if for ten minutes you're just second a beating and you're getting lower and lower and lower, they don't think there's any hope. Mm. But then there's something that makes them feel that, oh, we ain't going to take no more. Mm. And like, I was thinking about, like, I, was, I really wanted to make a good impression because it was like the first time you guys had booked me and it was like in Birmingham as well. Not. I do love where my hometown. I'm a massive fan of myself, and I work wrestling my hometown because, like, it's the only place I'm over. I'm going to be honest. But it's like, I'm going to be honest. So <laughs> shoot me. I don't care. I like it's the only place I'm over. So uh, forget it. End the podcast. No, so, <laughs> so like, I was, I was really like, just wanted to put in a good performance, but also wanted to put in a performance that was different, hmm. and it was. A performance because I hadn't wrestled in my hometown for so long. Just a performance that was just like, this is who I am as a, a performer, and I, I tell stories. Yeah. And I don't, I, I just, no matter what performance I do, I just want them to care, and I feel I accomplish that. I just want them to care, and I, it's not about me getting my stuff in or it's. I don't have stuff. I have, you know, I have, just believe in me mm-hmm. and I try and get the you know I accomplish that like get the people to believe in me and want me to win and that's my stuff and if that's my stuff I am happy with that but like signature moves or anything like that I'm just that baby face that you want to win and if I'm that heel I'm that little turd you want to see get his ass whipped mm-hmm. that, that's that's all I just um, that's I just want people to feel something and that's what I believe this business is about feel it in here yeah. like all Paul did was shove a, a bow tie in my mouth, and I, and that was the first time that I'd done anything but get beaten up. Paul was like being cocky because he thought he'd had me, and I just pulled this out of my mouth and I stared at it. But I looked round at the people because my wrestling 
sensei was Hulk Hogan, and I watched him, and I just adored the way all he had to do was give them a look, yeah. and people just felt, and you could hear the shiver in the audience, and it was like, you know, like, and you just look at the people. In other words, like, I've looked at this bow tie, and I look at them, and you're thinking what I'm thinking. <laughs> and then you throw it down, and it's the first time you got back on your feet. And then Paul's, like, still being all cocky. So there's one thing I regret in that match, and that was um, I spat back at him. Yeah. And, that, and, and they reacted. And that was the first time they reacted. But I shouldn't have done it, and that was an audible by me, because when he bangs me into the, the turnbuckle, then I pop my head up, and it's the first time I've not taken the beating of, yeah. like, I'm not having this anymore. But I really, the only thing I'd have changed about that match, and that's because the audience reaction, if I'd have just taken out that, that spit at him in retaliation and and just done it there, because that would have been the first thing yeah. that I got. Because I'd already got some yeah, yeah, out of it. Do you know what I mean? I'd yeah, already got it. a little bit out of them, and I, I shouldn't have. Yeah. It, they weren't ready. They, like, they were ready, but I'd, I, I, I premature let it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I should have waited just that little second, but I tried it. It failed. You know, like... Won't do it the next time, but like, that was it. And if you notice in the comeback, I didn't pin anybody. Mm. I didn't pin him once. And the reason I didn't pin him any once because that audience didn't stop making noise. They yeah. didn't stop making noise, and the noise grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And then he took it away because yeah. he's a bad guy. Because if you keep giving them, I feel like if you keep giving away covers, it don't mean anything. And you're restricting yourself getting more reaction, mm. and getting more over. Let's say like yeah. it was just. I th- I think that was one of the best matches I've ever had. I honestly do, just because it was for the first time I walked, walked left and was like, I'm really like, and I loved Paul Robinson just mm. being a bad. Guy. I was like, that was, I I loved that. Like, I was really proud of that, and I'm, I'm still proud. I mean, you can hear me now just talking about <laughs> it. it. Just, I was really proud of it. Yeah. Um, and people can probably, if you if you watch it, let me know what you think of it. But like, I was really proud of that one, and I think I've done some stupid stuff. I've done some really good matches. One of one of the best ones I've ever had. That was. Mm. I remember. It, I remember. I remember at the top. Even just for your entrance for that match. Oh like, yeah, that was a good one. So, like, I told you, Birmingham. Only place I'm over. And Bon Jovi's the only part that's over about it. It's not me. None of this is me. <laughs> like it's the hometown pop, and it's Bon Jovi. It is not me. I'm just a. I'm just the dude. I'm, but I happen to be five four and 141 pounds. Apologies. I'd love to be a lot bigger, so I'd take over this entire planet. But yeah, you know. So you mentioned you were nineteen-ish when you started wrestling. So eighteen, eighteen. Did you? So two things, two two-part question. Right. Did you always want to be a wrestler? Yep. And because, like, you just brought up your own size, right? Did you always think? Did you? Did you? Did you believe there was a chance of you making it despite of your size? Yeah. Because obviously you have, but. And wrestling's very different now. If someone starts training now at 18 and they're five foot four, it's probably not that much of a problem. 16 years ago, I mean, we weren't quite land of the giants, but it would have still have been more of a problem than now. So, I mean, I mean, did you find much sort of resistance to your size and stuff? When you there was there was resistance from other people. Yeah, uh, there'd been there's been resistance from other people in my life as well. Whether that be people who I conversate with, people who I've worked with. Mm. And when I say work in normal jobs, yeah, yeah. nine to five, uh, women I've dated, um, there is a a fear of someone that's so secure 
when they have every right to be insecure, mm. if you, if that makes sense. Yeah. And well, you don't have you don't have no pun intended small man syndrome. No, at all. Like no. from so, I remember meeting you when you came to that progress show, and then bumping into you a couple of weeks later when I was supporting Regal in mm-hmm. Birmingham, and that's where I had a, I remember paying for my parking ticket and chatting me and my wife chatting to you for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you were Dave Mastiff, I think, mm-hmm. and um, and just having a chat, and I remember going away going. What a lovely bloke, and then we've been, we've kind of been mates ever since. Yeah. And and like even today, when I said I was going to be interviewing you, my wife was like, "Oh, he's, he's such a nice bloke." And it's just you've never once displayed. Like me and you, occasionally rant about stuff with yeah, yeah. but but that's because we're mates. But you've never you've never had that sort of attitude that I think neither does Paul Robinson either, who's someone else's. Yeah, shit. but I think people presume that, but I've never once seen it in you, and and. I mean, you must have been, even when you were younger, you must have been fairly sort of chilled out about this, this sort of stuff. Um, I was bullied. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, I threw some punches. Mm. Uh, they didn't work. Mm. And, uh, I, you know, I've been in fights and I've not won many a time. Mm. Uh, I'd have tears streaming down my eyes, but I'd keep standing up and try and fight again. And I'd be laughed at for crying. Mm. But... I'm in pain and it hurt and yeah. I'll, I'll stop it <laughs> tell me anybody that's when they're not in pain they don't want to shed tears yeah. call that weakness that's fine but I won't stop throwing punches and it's um, I was very, you know it just came from you got you got to accept that you're this mm. but you know like um, I don't know man like it's just acceptance mm. it took a I'll be honest, it took a while. It does. Like I'd, I'd say mid to late 20s was when the acceptance kicked in. Like You, you have no idea how insecurities come with, uh, with, the, with the job in regards to your size. Like mm. I'm, I'm surrounded by... Like my best friend's EC3. Mm. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. look, at, look, at, look at him. I'd adore to look like Mike. Yeah. I adore. And I work every day to try to be. And... Or try and, you know, get near there or try and just look good you know out of respect for the people that do put the time in out of respect for this job mm. and it's I wish I'd have done it when I was younger because I don't think people would have messed with me as much yeah. but like it, I was the small kid and mm. my social uh, position at that time was I had a mouth on me I knew that <laughs> I wasn't I didn't shout and insult people but I used naughty words and I you know sometimes Mouthed off a bit, and but I never got into an altercation because of my mouth. It was always my mouth got me out of it yeah. a lot of the time. Like, and there's been situations where I've nearly been mugged in like streets of Birmingham where I've gone, mate. I'm going to be honest with you. I've got a bunch of CDs in this HMV bag. You know you can beat the hell out of me, <laughs> or you can, and you can do it and you can make yourself feel better, or you can just walk away because there's people that are watching, and it's got me out of situations. Yeah. It does. It's just. And I don't have the gift of the gab, I don't think. I mean, I can, I'm a, you know, I can talk, you know, I can, talk, I can conversate, but I don't think I've got the gift of the gab. Mm. I'm like, I'm no Trent Seven, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's that, that that's no a, one's that's Trent another seven. level of British wrestling, Dalboy, That is, but like, <laughs> I, like that that man's a genius. I think, like, I, I think Alex Shane uh, as the gift of the gab. I think he's a genius. I have, I don't have that, mm. but like, you know, I can articulate, you know, talk to someone and stuff and conversate. But it's like. I've never, I've never cared about my size. Other people have, yeah. always, and it's uh, that's when I knew that I'm not, I'm not the one with the problem here. I'm very comfortable with who I am, mm. 
it's a girlfriend where society's told her that, uh, uh, you know, the boyfriend's got to be taller or she can't wear heels with a man that's shorter than her, makes her care about it, so she's got the problem. A a guy that is intimidated by someone that is very self-assured with himself that's smaller than him, that's not in a managerial position and doesn't throw his weight around when he's in a managerial position, is the one with the problem. Mm. You you know what I mean? There's that sort of stuff. Have you ever had it that... um... And from my experience, most wrestling locker rooms are nice places to be and they're yeah. not what people imagine them to be like. But have you ever had it that that anyone's refused to put you over or anything like that yep. because of because of Many height times. difference? Many times. See to me that's to me that's ridiculous because think of like it again, it it's wrestling. If someone's over, they're over. It shouldn't matter if size and stuff like that and, and ego and stuff like that yeah. shouldn't come into and, and and surely there's a size thing, just an extension of ego. Yeah. You're someone who you know, one of the reasons I'm mates with you is you you just don't have you have enough of an ego to get by. Everyone should have some ego, massive. But um, but, <laughs> but you're not you're not an egomaniac, and you don't no. need to be. And uh, I'm not surprised at all that that's happened. But it's just it, it's it makes me sad. Like if you think of think how tall the best wrestlers of the generation are. Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan's one of them. Yep, he's what five eight. I guess so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So he's not he's shorter than me. Yeah, like it's you know I don't. You know, I, d- I don't. I don't worry about what other people think. No. I really don't. I, that's what probably why I've just con con. You know, concentrated on but what I, I'm doing. And but like, I, but I those always, those people that refuse, I understand, and I'll make it work regardless, and I'll work around you. You're the one with the problem. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna do business like I've been told. I'm not the one that's gonna walk away from this and promoter's gonna be like he was difficult to deal yeah. with. I'm yeah. the one that's gonna be like I'll do whatever you want. If you have got a problem with it, mate, no problem. How do we make this work for what? Gaffer wants here is going to be giving me my envelope with twenty pounds in. That's that's and that's oh yes, that's what we're fighting over twenty pounds. Yeah. Let's put this in perspective. This is a job. What really matters is that audience that's out there. If we get out there and they want to see the the young boy triumph, you'll know. Yeah. If they want to, see, if they don't want to, then you'll know. It, you know, it's not about you. It isn't about you. It's not about me. It's about them. It really is about them. And this is... I always think as well, the reason that you've stuck out to me as a performer is that I always look for people who are slightly different. And you are slightly different. And, it's, and it... For example, when you when you were in TNA, the thing that really made you stick out was that everything you got asked to do, you threw yourself into with 100% commitment. Yep. And made it work. But also, if you... To me, if I'm flicking, if, if I'm not a wrestling fan, I'm flicking through channels, and and I see, and I see uh, a standard what people would think is a generic selection of wrestlers. Create a wrestler A, B yeah. from SmackDown v Raw, or, or, or I see uh, I see you in a brightly coloured suit, uh, a little bit shorter than everybody else, wearing a bow tie. Um, my, straight away, my brain's like. Who's that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> who, who, is, who the hell who put is, this on my television? Who is this guy? Oh no, I'm still watching. <laughs> Why is he lying on the floor for that child? <laughs> Did, um... <laughs> yeah, we'll come to that. Oh God. Um, God. Just so I want, you to, <laughs> I want you to put my kid over. Uh... <laughs> hey, if you pay me, I'll do it. <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't. So, um... We know what your third match was. Who was your first match against? Can you remember? Uh, it was myself and a wrestler called Snake. Uh, his name is Chris Gilbert, who is still a friend of mine to this day. Cool. Against 
Exbones, who is named Bobby Barrett, who used to wrestle in the early days of Fight Club Pro, people will know, for any Fight Club Pro historians out there, and a wrestler by the name of Jack Storm, uh, Jack Titchin, who is still my friend to this day. Uh, anybody that has followed my wrestling path and the early stages of my wrestling path and that British wrestling era path mm. will know who Jack Storm is and was and he was a phenomenal phenomenal bad guy performer and I had some of my best matches with him like mm. unbelievable like like in my young days like me and him brutalised each other like you know like we told stories but yeah. we brutalised each other in regards to like we didn't hurt each other, mm. but when we worked, it was physical, yeah. and we really enjoyed. We were best friends, like. You Is know. he the sort of person? Because obviously, we're in this cool era now, where, like you say, all of a sudden people second, third match in the wrestling front of four hundred people. Yep. Is he the sort of person that? Is he? I mean, there's probably more names of people that would have benefited by the scene being as healthy as it is now when they were performing. Because, yep. by the way, you tell by the way you talk about him, yep. obviously, you know, you're someone whose opinion I, I trust. So if you rate someone, like, if he'd have been in in the scene now, do you think he would have he would have blown up massively? If he'd have... God bless you, Jack. If, if he'd have hit the gym properly, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll show you some of his stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you some. And you'll be like... You'll be begging him to come out of Come out retirement. There must be there must be a few people that probably pop into your head that yeah. that just and Jack and this if they stuck it out for a few more years they would have yeah. seen this. This is know? the this is the measure of Jack the person and the measure of the scene. Jack left the scene because of the people, hmm. and that should tell you everything about what it was like yeah. at times. Yeah, he, he didn't think the promoters were as professional as they could be. He didn't think the lads' minds were their heads weren't hmm. in the game really like they were. You know, not there could have been better people at time. Like that—that that was the reason he left. I didn't leave mm. because I thought well, this is what it is. Mm. But he was—he like—he was like, you know what? I'd rather settle down with my missus, start a family, and you know, step away from it. And I was very upset by that because he was—he, I, I just knew how good he was. Mm. He was just that good, and I uh, and and like. Luke Dragon Phoenix, so he's come back on the scene now. Yeah. But Luke stopped, and it angered me when when he stopped. And it, it used to anger me when people would stop. Mm. I'm like, but then I also said to myself, what? I know why I'm not stopping, because nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. The day the day I met Triple H for the first time, what I said to him was exactly what I believe every day I wake up and have done, and that's the only reason I carry on. Mm. I'm going to main event WrestleMania, and you might look at me like I'm mental. And Hunter might think, "What the hell is he on about? We've got him. We want you as general manager at two hundred five. You're going to main event wrestling. Like, what the hell is this kid on about? You must be an idiot." I looked him dead in the eyes, like, "I'm going to grab a brass ring, cliche as it sounds, and I want a main event WrestleMania. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. I'm not here to just be collecting a check or like be ranting and raving on with WWE. The the moment I wake up every day, that's what's on my mind, and you know, I believe it can happen." Anybody that said to me when I was a kid, you'll never work for WWE, I believed it could happen. Mm-hmm. I really did. I really did. The day it did, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Lord. But, like, I, I, you got That was a happy day for me when that happened. You've got to believe, man. Like, And thank you. Thank you. It was, like, you've got to believe. But that, if, I think that's... 
it's a measure of you as a person in how happy so many people were when when we all found out yeah that you were for like and I don't think it really sank in because you only see it on your social media feed yeah. and I did get a lot of message and it was, it was wonderful and anybody that reached out to me if I didn't favourite the tweet or I didn't reply to it or I didn't reply to your message thank you because I said to all of them every one of them were part of my journey like mm. sitting on the apron at Wrestlemania everybody that ever sold for me took a bump for me uh, did absolutely anything you know said a kind word about me said a bad word about me like <laughs> any part of that journey they were a part of and anyone i ever met or encountered but it, it was all that da- it wasn't self-belief hmm. it was watching movies when i was a kid watching wrestling when i was a kid and the stories that were told in wrestling the stories that were told in movies like like i know it's topic of conversation these days but karate kid was one of my favorite movies because i believed in daniel LaRusso. Yeah. I be- my favourite movie of all time is Teen Wolf. I believed in Marty McFly, who wanted to be special, and I think about myself as like, I want to be a wrestler. And then when you become a wrestler, sometimes you realise that, wow, some days I just wish I was, I just want to be me. I don't mm. want to be this this fictional character, this wolf. I don't want to, that's what everybody wants to see, but I just want to be James for one day. Yeah. And that was what was so beautiful about Teen Wolf, because he got to the big game and he was like, no more wolf today, I'm going to do this on my own. They're like, no, 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 it's not going to work. Yeah, today I'm going to be me and we're going to do this. And he did it. It was wicked. It's just 80s cheese films, man. Like, But just it made me believe. Like, um, I always remember my mum and dad used to argue a lot and when I was younger. And my mum openly said it. She said it to me the other day, like, she should have left my dad if it weren't for the fact she had kids. Mm. And, like, uh, it's, a, it's, it's an absolute blessing that we were there. Because yeah. my dad, when I was younger, was just... He'd rather go out with his friends drinking and yeah. like go down the pub because I don't think he was ready for fatherhood, adulthood, yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, he, I don't think he was all there for it. He just mentally was just still, I've got to be that guy. Yeah. You know, with with my, I my a lot of people. Absol- yeah. Absolutely. But every time I was home, when I saw my mum upset, I put on Dirty Dancing because Patrick Swayze made a smile, <laughs> and then I put Ghost on, and like I mean, you ask you ask any of my mates, Patrick Swayze is my hero, like Roadhouse, because. And I, I, I realised it a few years ago. Why, why do I love this bloke so much? Like he's, he's, he's one of my favourite actors. He's awesome. It's only like four or five movies he was in. That I thought he was great, but like those I love. Mm. But it was because he made my mum smile. Yeah. And it, and it made me feel something. I was like, oh, I put a smile on her face. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I believed in movies and wrestling is movies. It's small yeah. stories and you know, it's not even a joke when Vince McMahon goes, oh, we make, we make movies in Beyond the Mat. It, they do. Yeah. And it, and they're beautiful stories, and everybody when like Eddie Guerrero won the world championship, and everybody just lost their minds and just felt something, and we didn't even know him as a human being, but you just felt something. Yeah. You know, like that. That's just an example. It's just. Um, well, no, it's it's a great example. It's just um, feeling something, yeah. and like, man, that's the beauty of it, man. Just, do you do you remember feeling something when Brian came back? Yeah. Like, because he was allowed to wrestle again. Beautiful. I, mate, I, I remember reading, I was just flicking through Twitter and it came up, uh, people were losing their minds and like, because of me writing the book and everything, I'd already written a big bit about him retiring. Yeah. I've had to happily go back and edit. <laughs> I've never been so happy. And like, he's legit one of my favourite ever wrestlers. Like, anything like that. Like, I, I was watching, um, and bear in mind, I can't speak Japanese, but I was watching Kenta Kabashi's retirement speech mm-hmm. from 2013. He, most people will be aware, is my favourite ever wrestler. Um, I can't understand a word he's saying, but every single match he was in told a story. 
and you know oh, it was one nice. of the one of the best reactions when he came back from his, his kidney problems mm-hmm. and, and and some of the stuff he was doing back then was absolutely unbelievable and you know even in that case it's just as simple a story as come back from injury wrestling but just I can watch him doing that promo in Japanese and still makes me emotional because that's that's what wrestling can be yeah. you don't, even if you don't speak the language you can get it and like this is the thing I was trying to explain to I did an interview for um, for the BBC website the other day and, and the guy interviewing me was not a, he was super respectful about mm-hmm. wrestling which is one of my if I agree to do an interview now I'm like you, don't be asking me is it fake is it player fighting because I hate that but he was really he was I think he was he was really respectful and he said to me he said why do you like wrestling and I said because it's the best art form on the planet and he went really and I said yeah I love music and I love films but it's better than both of them because it's both of them combined and it's combined with theatre and it's combined with comedy and it, everything all in one and I yep. love it and I'm never going to stop loving it um, you know there's there's plenty of times that I might not play video games for a few months there's plenty of times I might not listen to any new music for a year or so um, and but I'll never stop loving wrestling, and I think it, it, the one thing with me is that I've got no. You mentioned the, the, the link with your mum and wrestling, and with your mum coming to to uh, to see you wrestle and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Did she come again after that point? Yeah, um, <laughs> the next time she came was my debut for TNA at Wembley, but then she came to the Hair versus Hair with EC3. Which I told her the finish of before, yeah, and she was much more comfortable with the, the <laughs> blood that time. But my mum, for the first time, like came back and like. But the the one response she had was me when I told her the finish. She went, "Oh, your beautiful hair." I went, "What about me, Ed, mum?" She's like, "No, nah, it doesn't matter about that. I know you've you've done that before. I'm over that." Like, so it only took it only took her twelve years. But like, um, it was the first time after. Like, I think my dad and my mum looked at me like. You made like because they sat there that night and they were like, "You mm. made this whole audience like, 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 son, you're a wrestler." Yeah, that was the first time like my parents kind of were like, "All right, yeah, I mean, you're in Wembley. You've you've made this place like just emotionally connect with you. Like, I'm, you know, mm. you, you're our son. We are proud of you. You're a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, that felt really cool because that was the first night I spoke to Glenn. Was it first night I spoke to Glenn? Oh, excellent. I definitely say it's because he's a mark for me but uh, because of that that's, that was what it was it's a mark for me just wanted a picture didn't with, you Glenn Tusk with um, <laughs> I mean you did do that I, I don't know if we've told this story on the podcast yet but Ooh. when we were at Access Glenn did queue up yes he did uh, to have a picture taken with you like and and you, if you've been to Access you'll know this and, and it's really weird now it's because you're a mate and Jack Gallagher's a mate yep. and Pete Dunn's a mate and watching them all like have big queues of people looking to have their photo taken with them. It's just like this is the coolest thing in the world. And um, so you queue for a picture, and often because you're dealing with so many people, you'll you'll queue up and you'll talk to some, and and you as a wrestler, you'll you'll sign something for someone, you'll post for a photo, and then you're not necessarily looking at who the next person in line is mm-hmm. until they get in front of you. And presumably, right until Glenn got right next to you and asked for a photo, because he because obviously we were working because we were there for access. So he had a badge that meant he could have just skipped the queue, but he yeah. actually wanted he queued, to make sure he did to the queue. whole line. And I was, but it was, it was, I watched him, and he was getting closer and closer. And every signature I was doing, I was just looking at, up at him and just mouthing the most explicit obscenities at him, like, "How 
how dare you? Just just get it over with. Just no. And he's savouring every moment. And I'm like, you. <laughs> so, um, before you went to TNA, did, did, did you, there was a few big British shows during your, your, mm-hmm. your, your British one, wasn't there? International Showdown. Uh, that was the Coventry Sky Dome. Yep. Me, Pete Williams, Chris Sabian, and Johnny Storm, who Johnny Storm, who I think is still one of the most charismatic entertainers this country has ever produced. It's brilliant. Uh, uh, they were, you know, like uh, Doug Williams was on the show mm. with a, uh, was it a uh, the, the bunch of the Noah lads? Um, they were they were on and the main event. You know, you had CM Punk and Joe, and the main event was AJ Styles against Christopher Daniels, and it was like that array of talent. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Mizawa was who Doug was against in that tag. James Ty and Doug and against uh, Mizawa and some some Asterisk, I can't remember his name. There was a few of them like yeah. that. But I was on a show with Mizawa. And it was awesome. like, I never heard of Mizawa until then. Look, seriously, because I'm, I'm not the sharpest when it came to Japanese wrestling. Yeah. But then the following year, Amazing Red was like one of my favourite wrestlers when I was growing up. And like I was in a match with him. He was in the ring with us. And then... Later on, Doug was in another tag match with Goshi Ozaki and uh, Kenta Kabashi. And like Doug was wrestling Kabashi, and I'd never seen Kabashi before. Mm. And I understand why he's your favourite, because to me, Kabashi, when I watched him work, he was one of the only Japanese wrestlers that facially showed me charisma. Yeah. And you could see what he's feeling and the fire in his heart and everything like that. So I really became a fan of his from that. Big shows after that, one PW. There was that. Was that the one in Doncaster? There was the one. There was hundreds. So I, so because I, I did a stand-up gig, the worst stand-up gig of my entire career, in that same room, <laughs> in, in the Doncaster Dome. Like I did a horrible uh, Christmas gig there last December. Um, that was oh garbage. Um, but all the time I was thinking, there's been wrestling in this room, so yep. at least that makes it moderately tolerable myself and who was then called Sterling James Keenan but now Corey Graves we ah. still we still talk about those days because we used to that's an, man I'm, I'm like I'm having flashbacks now like of all the people that I've like did some stuff that I really enjoyed with like I really enjoyed working mm. with him because um, he wasn't he wasn't anybody that anybody had heard of and he came to a country and like he got he got he got over yeah like people people knew who he was from from that and like yeah. I was very honoured that it be with me and it was different then because the business was changing the audiences was changing John Cena was getting booed when he was supposed to be the baby face mm. it wasn't just the internet talking about oh I think he's crap the audience was reacting at shows going oh, I don't like you mm. you know what I mean like and that was what was happening with me as a white meat baby face I was the one getting booed in these matches but carrying on playing the baby face and you know and then it was really rewarding when you'd you'd win them over, yeah, because of your work and like you were the story you were telling, and like that was a big learning curve because mm. when it was first happening, I was very confused. I didn't know what I was doing wrong, and I was you know, you get a little bit insecure about what am I doing wrong and everything. But one of the biggest things I've learned is as long as they're reacting, mm-hmm. you're doing your job right. When they're sitting on their hands and not saying a word, that's when you do you're not doing a very good job. So that was a big learning curve, and it was. Um, I don't think there was much after that. Like there was, um, there was the relaunch of FWA, but I don't think there was any really mm. big, sh- big shows from that. And I think that was when a lot of people were losing a lot of faith with yeah. "Is anything ever going to happen for us?" And that is when Bootcamp came along. It was out of nowhere. It was just like, whoa! 
Did, um, There's a ray of light here. I mean, it must have been because obviously the, the you got the deal out of boot camp, mm-hmm. which was great. But then you obviously ended up moving to the states. Yep. And like, was that like a huge sort of learning curve? For First you? time I ever moved out of my house ever. I moved to another country. And so you live? You still living with your parents before? Yep. Until the age, That's of, until, the, until the age of thirty, I moved out as soon as I was, got signed. I, got, I said I was I was going to quit wrestling like uh, yeah. at thirty, not because of like I didn't believe I was going to think it, but I wanted to do other things. I mm. wanted to travel for a bit and stuff like that. But then that happened, and then um, I was like, "Right, dream's still on. Here we go. <laughs> I'm not going to go anywhere now. Now I've got to throw two feet into this, and if I can say that they don't want me, at least I gave it my all." Mm. So, and recently I spoke to Bruce Pritchard about this because, like, originally the, the whole idea of the show was for the girls, and then it became they were deciding on myself or Marty on who was going to pay it off. And Bruce recently told me this, and it was brilliant because I've got a lot of respect for Bruce. Mm. He wanted Marty to win because then we've got a whiny little turd heel that's got an axe to grind, yeah. so you can bring him in as well. Yeah, so he wanted to take everybody. Bruce is so smart. Like, I mean, everybody that listens to his podcast now, like, I mean, just just being able to be like in a room with him, he's like, he's got such a great mind, and he's just a real, good, real good bloke. Real so good I've not met yet, but I'm I'm hoping to. Great, some great man. Like, yeah. very, one of you know, no need to be as nice as he is to me. You know, because <laughs> let's remember, Bruce is from the era when everyone was giants, and if yeah. five foot four guys like his brother love. Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> But like one one thing Bruce has like said to other people a lot higher than you or I in our company in front of me, which he didn't have to. I won't name the names, but like he, he said like passion. That's and, and it I I don't know if that exudes out of me, but I I'm very passionate about what I do. Yeah. Man. I'm very passionate about this and like I hope that bleeds into every performance I ever give or ever do or any match I have. Like just I love this. Mm. I absolutely love this, and this is like what I've always wanted to do. And but I think passion is important. Like God, I, yeah. I like doing stand up. I love being around wrestling. Yeah. So whenever we do a progress show, like when I say the stuff about how much wrestling means to me, it's not. I'm not doing it to to make people buy a ticket. I'm doing it to mean it. Yeah. Like, genuinely, I the reason I pace around the ring before a show is because I'm nervous. I'm not nervous. About the, stuff, the the daft stuff I'm going to say. I've been talking for years. It's not that's not a problem. I'm nervous about people appreciating and enjoying a show because I like wrestling that much. And and I think anyone who gets to anyone who gets to a good level, there's some people who can get to that level without the passion. To mm-hmm. so some people are just gifted in different ways. Yep, good for them. But <laughs> but I think the vast majority of people who get to a good level in wrestling are people who are passionate about it and that's the reason you're now in WWE that's the reason it's happened um, with them how long were you with TNA because it, it wasn't four years was it, uh, 2013 up until the end of seven yeah so only oh, five years yeah, so nearly five years I mean no yeah, yeah four and a half years and that that's a long time for it, to be in a company like TNA because TNA did have yeah, a fair turnover of talent oh, yeah. during that time and the fact that you managed to from day one get yourself a job and because often when people come through you don't have to look at how uh, things like Tough Enough have worked mm-hmm. I know it's a different principle but but any of that any kind of reality TV show putting someone into a wrestling environment 
Um, it doesn't necessarily always pay off. People who weren't tough enough didn't necessarily stick around for a long time. The NXT seasons haven't necessarily. Some of them did, but um, well, well, I was I was very worried originally because I was OVW and I was there a year, hmm. and it was around the time where they were letting a lot of people go uh, due to budget cuts. And the reason I was worried is because not a lot of people have had their tryouts, so to speak, in front of the entire country that they live in mm. so I just didn't want to have egg on my face yeah. but OVW was the best learning experience I ever had because I learned about what you could face what pitfalls there are and stuff like I, I just I value that year mm. so much in my development and understanding of what this is yeah. it just incredible place to be and, and the people that have gone through there that and it's weird but you have a bond with them like I, I could walk up to John Cena and say like I was trained by Danny I was trained by Rip you know, and he's like, "Okay," and he'll ask me questions. We're mm. both on the level, and when you're like, "Wow, this like this place really did make some." And, and so look at, many people. But look at but look at the people on top now: Brock, Randy, John, Miz, all over W. Yeah, every single one of them. And like, you know, as much as you can, there's not been a feeder system like like that. And then the performance center came along. The performance centers, unbelievable, mm. unbelievable. And that has done double what OVW did, you know. Yeah. And the limited facilities they had there and what they turned out was just, yeah, you know. Um. So, and now you're in WWE, which is what's happening? Is is? Do you sort of wake up some days and just go? I, I don't believe this is happening. I haven't. I had all of that, but I felt all of those jitters when I was at when I got signed with boot camp because we didn't think it was ever going to happen yeah I didn't get it when with this time it was like moving from another employer to another employer which I'm I'm very I'm very disappointed in myself for not enjoying that process yeah, more okay. it was more of um, it was more of a transfer of employment for me and then when I debuted because I've not done it on such a grandest scale grander scale as mm. WWE television and production and everything like that yeah. but I'd, I'd worked that I've worked television before so it wasn't it wasn't a know, weird step yeah, yeah but it was it was it was it was just nice to go out there and like um, it was a nice conversation I had with Hannah when like that Mark Carano first brought me in he said hey you got the birthday boy and I was like oh my god I don't know my birthday mm. brought me to Hannah and he says just go out there and enjoy yourself and like you know happy birthday like that went a long way. Yeah. And it was just that sort of stuff where it's like, wow, this is a very nice company to work for. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just, the only reason I left TNA was for, was because of financials. Yeah. And the only reason I reached out was because of financials, because it helped me become a better person, performer, understand this job more, mm. much like the time at OVW did this even more so, because you learn how to work television. I got to main event Wembley Arena as a British wrestler yeah. and like home run it was like that's not something you can do five foot four that was what I was thinking at the time I'm five foot four and little guy and I got to main event wrestle, like main event uh, Wembley Arena that was a Wrestlemania yeah. to me for any British wrestler really yeah. and like you know for all anyone anyone says bad about that place they're, they're very crazy because that place was a great place to work oh. it really was there was there was problems, but it there was not one time did the talent ever let that affect them. The talent were the best. Yeah. 
and the talent really kept things going. It's you know like it, it's just one of it, it's business. Yeah. You just you know you, if you it's like a normal job. You just go and get another one. Like you and under enjoying it more. I enjoy it more and more. Like WrestleMania, I really enjoyed. Mm. I really enjoyed like sitting on that apron. That the best part was like before the show, sitting on that apron, just soaking it in. And I put like an Instagram post up and a Twitter one. And it, like I said earlier in this, I just thanked everybody because yeah. they they're the reason I'm there. Because for everybody that ever did anything for me, put me in a position like to succeed or anything without though without giving me a platform I'm nothing and yeah. neither's anybody so I'm I'm grateful not to quote Brian but from his speeches but you should be grateful yeah. I am very grateful and uh, I'm I'm not satisfied because I'm not hungry mm. and I'm so hungry I'm starving because I still wake up every day and want to make a bit of WrestleMania like I told you and I'm like <laughs> that's my dream that's my goal and like if it takes 10 years I'll still be here guys as long as they'll have me. Are you... Um, obviously, you're in a non-wrestling role at the minute, mm-hmm. doing 205 Live. Um, but I mentioned this to you before we started recording, the fact that you're... You seem so enthusiastic about it, and you're always putting up videos on Twitter and, and yep. social media and stuff like that. And uh, and, and purely from a, a, a success of the show point of view, like it, people seem to really love what you're doing, and people seem engaged with what you're doing. And, and also, like, I love 205 Live... Quite, I know quite a lot of people on the roster, which helps. Um, but, <laughs> but, um, but like, it's 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 a cracking show, and and you seem to really be throwing yourself into it, yep. and enjoying doing it. Are you enjoying it both from a, a creative point of view, but also from a point of view that you are able to pass on your experience and and because you have a certain way of looking at wrestling, which mm-hmm. I always appreciate. There's, I said this to you before. There's two people in British wrestling I like talking to about their opinion about in-ring stuff you're one Pete Dunn's another yeah and um, are you enjoying sort of doing both sides of it sort of being involved in in it on screen but also passing on knowledge and stuff to, to people I don't think I'm passing on knowledge you know um, no because I haven't been able to accomplish anything at WWE yet so I don't right. I don't think it's my place I do offer you know my I don't my input mm. to things not to speak above station or anything but like every everybody's good with me yeah and like because i really want them to succeed mm. i'm not coming in there to get myself over like i remember the first conversation i had with vince mcmahon he goes walk and talk with me you know we've got this role for you and la di da la di da and i'm like i'm enthusiastic because i'm i'm, meet, I'm meeting the man i'm meeting the man right now mm-hmm. like vince and and i was like Maybe I used a poor choice of words in what he understands it as. Sir, I'm here to do whatever you want. I'm here to get over. And he's like, really? It's not what we do here. We get other people over. Now, my heart sank when he said that, like, mm-hmm. God, I've done something wrong. But I knew, I knew, like, oh, I know how to do that too. And, like, he, and I said to him, I go, well, if I'm put in that position, I can do that too, sir. And, like, I'm trying to show that every day. Because, mm. uh, you know... Otherwise, if I'm not doing that right, then you know my checks are going to stop coming. <laughs> but it's um, I want them all to succeed. Yeah. I want them all to, you know, be what that show should have been from the beginning. Like every one of them are just brilliant. Yeah. Every one of them, and it's uh, like I'll I'll go out my way to promote them. Like 
I'll, I'll find ways to promote them. I message the office every week. Can I have graphics? Can I have this? Can I have this? Because I want to promote them. Mm. I'm I'm a twenty four seven guy that wants to work for this to work. Yeah. And this is a twenty four seven business. I live, breathe, and sleep it. I always have done. I want it to work. I want I want Mustafa Ali to go to WrestleMania. I want Cedric Alexander to go to WrestleMania. I want the audience to care about him. And I remember, like, I said to um, the writer of, of 205, I said, the head writer, I said to him, I go, do you mind if, for the first time in the go-home for WrestleMania, because they used to have people come in the uh, confessional booth thing. Mm. They do this confessional booth. He's like Big Brother. It's very good. That the, what, When the lads come in and air their piece about what they're feeling. I haven't done it in a couple of weeks. I'm going to bring that up. I don't think they've done it since this one maybe I blew it but um, but like I asked them can I go in the confessional booth oh that's different what do you want to say I'll go I'll send it to you this week and I cut this promo in my house I'll show it you after but like I cut this promo in my house and I sent it to them and like they loved it but then they gave me because what I would say is you look angry and and, and I'll you know I'll, I'll say yeah I, yeah I am because I want this to succeed mm. and it's not anger it's 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 the way the passion's coming out I'm like come on look at these guys every one of you come to Wrestlemania extra early and look at these lads watch them bust their ass and watch them absolutely kill it and you are going to watch it and you're going to see it in their faces and everybody is going to walk away from Wrestlemania telling them that, that that match was the best match. I saw Brock Lesnar, I saw Roman Reigns, I saw Daniel Bryan return, I saw Triple H, Ronda Rousey, Stephanie McMahon, Kurt Angle, I saw it, but that was the match that killed it and it was on the pre-show and I wanted everybody to feel we're on the pre-show, look at us. Mm. And now I feel like Look at us right now. We're making traction. The people are watching. Look at us. Because i got a huge chip on my shoulder when I hear that people don't enjoy the show. I'm like, really? Watch this. I'll make you watch. I will make you watch. Because this is awesome. Buddy Murphy has come to this show and they used to call him the, he called himself the best kept secret. He ain't a secret no more. Every week when he's on, you take notice because he is having some kick-ass matches. Cedric is having, he's having some kick-ass ma- matches. Oh, Mustafa Ali is cutting some of the best promos I've ever seen, and he's making you care. Yeah. All and, the build-up to WrestleMania made me, and I like both those guys. I yep. liked them both before, but the build-up to WrestleMania made me care about them both. Yeah. Even more. You care uh, about who, but you couldn't have called who would have won or lost. No. I, I, and and isn't that the beauty of it? I hadn't. I, I was like, I have no idea who it was. I can't remember for a long time where there's been like two people that were two good characters and there was there was a GM there that mm. was just simply promoting these two great lads. I, I don't think that's been happening mm. for a while. It's usually like it's a shring shring and a swerve and a swerve but it was that was all it was. Yeah. Somebody that's promoting two guys that the way that they deserve to be promoted and those two guys going out and giving the people exactly what mm. Two I was about, and yeah. I love the role I'm in. I have great passion for it. I, I, and you know me. Any role I'm putting, I put everything oh, into. Absolutely. I just do not. You, you give me something, I'll make it work. Yeah. Uh, Two Five Live isn't about me. It's about the lads. Yeah. 
because the lads are the ones that go in every week and boss their ass and they're the ones that are giving you kick-ass matches I'm not the one giving you kick-ass matches I'm the one trying to convince you that you need to see this and I believe every word I say it's not written for me I believe every word I say you need to watch this show yeah um last question oh because it's is it like 10 to 1 um, yeah, we got to get down the bar um the last question you main event Wrestlemania yeah who against so when you main event Wrestlemania and when I said this to Hannah just because I'm the 205 live general manager that doesn't mean you have to be an in-ring performer to main event Wrestlemania ah clever Charles Robinson's main event at Wrestlemania yes you know uh, it, it's it's one of them things Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder have main evented Wrestlemania yes Wrestlemania 24 with The Undertaker. Liberace's main event at WrestleMania. Yes. The main event that I've always dreamed of, and my best friend I've always dreamed of, is EC3, with me as his manager, against John Cena. That That is the match that we have envisioned in our heads that we'd love to happen. Just because I know my place, my you know, EC3 knows his John would just be the perfect foil for everything and their styles are just so similar yeah. and I think we've all got the same brain for this in that respect <laughs> like I think if we all put our heads together we'd make I'd have ha- I'd have my stake and I'd I'd you know I'd I'd be able to put the season on it there. you know what I mean that that'd be my stake that'd be my stake um I ain't going Glenn wants to know what room we in do we have to no don't tell him which one absolutely don't tell him why you char- well, we'll charge it to his room, and if he walks in at the end, it'd be great. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then, and then he's walking in at the end, and Glenn Joseph toss out. But, all right, mate. <laughs> let's, let's go and find him. Yes. Um, where are you on social media before we stop? At WWE Drake Maverick on both Instagram and uh, Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Snapchat. I don't have Bumble. I don't have Tinder. Uh, <laughs> So it's uh, yeah, pretty much that, that's my world. I uh, just done both of those. Uh, please continue to support professional wrestling. A big thank you, graciously, from me to you. Yeah. Thanks, mate. So that's me and the lovely Drake Maverick uh, with Ransom on in the background. Um, uh, it was genuinely lovely to see him. Lovely to chat to him. He's one of my go-to guys. Uh, when I want to talk about British wrestling and get uh, a different sense of... I, I know what I like in wrestling, but whenever I speak to Mr. Maverick, I have uh, I learn from his years of experience and his take on things, which is incredibly smart and incredibly clever. He's one of my go-to guys. Uh, another one of my go-to guys is Pete Dunne. Another one of my go-to guys is Chris Brooks. They're just people that I, I value their opinion and their input. Um, and uh, yeah, super awesome for him to spend some time chatting to me. We had a good laugh. Uh, it was genuinely great. So thank you very much for listening. Remember, some plugs. Uh, you can see Drake Maverick on 205 Live on the WWE Network. Uh, you can see me on progresswrestling.com slash demand-progress.com or my own website, jimsmallman.com. This podcast is part of the wonderful Distraction Pieces Network. Support all of that jazz. And I will see you, fingers crossed, next week. ta 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.